Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hey, everybody, welcome to church once again. Come on, online. We're so glad that you're joining us on this Sunday for our second service of the day. We're glad that you're with us wherever you're watching from. We want to welcome you. Want to say a big hello to all of our Facebook friends, YouTube friends, and family all over the world. We're so glad that you are tuning in to your Calvary family. Come on, we're all in this together and absolutely love it. If this is your first time joining us, want to welcome you to Calvary Church. My name is Alex, and me and my wife have the privilege and the honor of a lifetime to be the pastors of Calvary, along with the best pastors on the planet. We have an incredible pastoral team, as well as an incredible staff. I mean, I just absolutely love our staff and then our dream team. Come on, can we give it up? Some of us are in here in the studio today. And so we're glad to be doing church with you. If you haven't heard, Rich and Yoli just talked about it, but if you're just logging on, November 8th is the comeback. November 8th, we're opening the doors of our Kendall campus and coming back to in-person gathering. We're making sure it's absolutely safe. We're going to have a lot of space for social distancing. Masks will be required. We're also trying to create more space where people can sit in, whether it's in auditorium or in other places of our building. Uh, and if you're not comfortable with that, online church is still going on. Come on, we started an online campus during the pandemic. And so I think it's going to be uh, incredible no matter what. We can't wait to see you. We love you so much. And we've been praying for you. We've been praying for our dream team during this whole pandemic. Our staff has been praying for you. And we believe that God's best is still on the way for your life. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've been going through this series on the book of Romans. Today is part three. And I don't know about you, but I'm loving the book of Romans. Anybody loving the book of Romans? I really am. I'm, I'm absolutely, it's become my favorite book in the New Testament. And I hope that you've uh, downloaded your journal. We made a journal available uh, for everybody to download absolutely free. If you go to calvaryconnect.shop, you can get the journal for free. It's a PDF. It downloads in about 20 seconds. Uh, so you can go right now. Go to calvaryconnect.shop and download the journal. It's a 30-day reading journal where we're all doing so, which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Uh, again, the, the Roman series is going to be five weeks. We're breaking it down in five big sections, uh, but the reading journal helps us cover verse by verse, wow. and so I think it's going to help you. And the book of Romans, uh, we've actually taglined the series, The Good News is Here, because we really believe there's good news for us. Yes. You may be, you probably just received some bad news this week. I'm going to tell you the good news is here. You probably just went through the hardest moments and times of your life. I'm going to tell you the good news is here. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we've been talking about the last several weeks. We absolutely believe that. And so download the journal, catch up, and read with us this week. I think it's going to be beneficial for all of our lives. We're on day 14 of our reading day journal. Um, but it, jump right in if you haven't, and I know it's going to bless you. All right, grab your Bibles. Go to the book of Romans. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. As you're going there, smile at the person next to you and tell them, I'm glad you're with me today. Come on. If you're with parents, kids, uh, friends, maybe you're eating breakfast together. Maybe you're hanging out with somebody um, there while you're like hanging out, lounging at your pool. How are you doing church online? Let us know on the chats. It's really cool to see online, uh, week in and week out, how people are doing church. We see families gathered with their children watching, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. So let us know in the chat right now, how are you doing church? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to begin to read a few verses in Romans chapter 6. This is our third installment, the third part of the book of Romans. And he's about to begin the third section. I, I believe that the book of Romans is broken up into five sections. Somebody say five. Five. And we've outlined that on the journal. Um, today, we're going to start this part three, the third part of Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. If you're there, can you type amen? Can you say amen if you're already there? Amen. All right, awesome. Chapter 6, verse 1, Paul continues to write, and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, 
we too may live a new life. Come on, how good is that? Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know, somebody say, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Come on, how good is that right there? I love it. Hey, as we start this third section in the book of Romans, Today, I want to share a message that's on my heart as we all continue to learn together and grow together. I want to talk from this title, I'm Convinced. I'm Convinced. Come on, why don't you put that on the chats on Facebook, on YouTube, I'm Convinced. Write that down on your journal, on your notebook. Tell somebody next to you, I'm Convinced. Come on, I'm Convinced. I'm Convinced. We're going to pray. We're going to break this down a little bit. We're covering Romans 6, 7, and 8, and uh, then we'll pray that we'll have the best day ever. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love and your mercy with us and toward us. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for this community. Thank you for friends and family all over the world that are watching. God, thank you that we're learning through Romans together. Thank you for everything is teaching us and it's helping to mature us and make us better believers and better followers of you. Thank you for loving people like us. We don't deserve it and we certainly couldn't earn it, but you've been good to us and we love you for that. Help us to understand this today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Come on. Why don't we give Jesus a big, big hand? Come on. Make some noise. Come on. Uh, Paul, as he begins this third section in the book of Romans, he's going to talk about all of our inconsistencies. He's going to talk about how uh, flawed we are and how inconsistent we are, how erratic our behavior can be. Have you ever been inconsistent with something in your life? Oh, come on. Have you ever said, I've tried to start this thing in my life or continue this thing in my life, but I've been inconsistent. Anybody in here ever struggled with inconsistency? During the pandemic, one of the things I tried doing is I tried learning a new language. It's been a couple years. I've been trying to learn Italian. I really, you guys know, I love Italian food, art, music, all that. Uh, I love Italy. And so I wanted to learn the Italian language. So I downloaded this app called Duolingo. And this app is a free app. It helps you um, supposedly learn a new language. A few months ago, got it. I said, I'm going to go back into it. And uh, after a few days, I had a good streak going. But then I, I fell. I fell off the wagon. <laughs> I, I completely stopped going to Duolingo. I stopped trying to learn Italian. And I was like, man, why am I so inconsistent? Have you ever, have you ever asked yourself that? It's like, here I am trying to learn Italian. And, and I, 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 was just, I was upset. I'm like, I can't do this every day. All you need is 10 minutes a day. And they say over a couple months, you'll learn a new language. And I can't keep that up. And so I got news today. I gave up. I'm trying to learn Italian. I gave up. I'm trying to learn Italian. I'll stick to the words that I know. I'll stick to the words I know. Mozzarella, pepperoni, and parmigiano. <laughs> I'll stick to the words. I, we are so inconsistent. And when we're inconsistent, it leads us to give up. In fact, I believe it creates a big problem. And the big problem is that our inconsistence turns into non-persistence. We don't persist in things because I can't. I'm not disciplined enough. I can't. I don't, I don't have this in my life. I don't get it all together. I'm not too strong. I, I, how can I get better? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm so inconsistent? And the inconsistencies in our life show us the weak areas in our life. Yep. And the truth is, all of us are weak. In one area or another, all of us have weaknesses in our life. You and I have weaknesses. Maybe nobody knows about your weakness. Nobody's peeked into your life and and you want to act like you got it all together. But come on, all of us are weak in one area or another. But I thank God today that he doesn't love me based on my weakness. Come on, that God doesn't love me based on my consistency. God doesn't love me based on my performance. God doesn't love me because of all the good deeds that I do. God doesn't love me because each and every single day I'm amazing and I'm great. He loves me because of his works. Come on. He loves me because he's consistent. He loves me because he's awesome. I couldn't get to God, but he came to me. In fact, if there's anything I want us to take away today is this. When we're weak, grace is strong. 
When we're weak, grace is strong. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I woke up today and there was grace for me. I'm glad I woke up today. Come on, he was there to pick me up. I'm glad I woke up today. He gave me new mercies. He gave me new strength. Come on, he gave me compassion. He helped me. Anybody thankful for grace? Come on, can we thank Jesus for 10 seconds and thank him for his grace and mercy? Oh, we're so inconsistent. And if it was based on that, we could never get his love. But it's not based on our deeds. It's not based on our performance. His love is based on the performance of the cross and resurrection. He loves me. Paul has talked about this. It's kind of what he summarized in the second section of Romans. Remember, we've already covered two sections, chapters 1 through 5. 1, 2, and 3 showed us one section of the book of Romans. And 3, 4, and 5 showed us another section of the book of Romans. And, and, he, and he just finished chapter 5, the second section of Romans. He finished it in an amazing way. Chapter 5 is one of the most incredible chapters in the book of Romans. He's talking about God's grace and the power of God's grace. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's wonderful. It's incredible. Remember, we talked about it. We said, how much more? He's basically saying, if, if sin produced all this in your life, how much more do we receive through Jesus? Remember, he went into the, the comparison of Adam and Jesus, and he says, oh, if you received all this spiritual DNA through Adam, you get so much more grace through Jesus. Come on, everybody thankful for Jesus. Oh, he says, if death reigned through Adam, life now reigns through Jesus. And it's eternal life that all of us get to participate in. And he finished chapter 5 by saying, where sin increased, now grace increased through Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Now, as he finishes that section of chapter 5, he knows that the readers are asking themselves a question. And he's about to answer their question before they even ask it. It's an old Greek method of writing. He did the same thing in chapter 4 when he's talking about that you're justified just by faith. They're saying, well, remember Abraham? He actually was justified by circumcision and all that. He's like, no, no, no. And he answers their question before they even ask it. He's doing the same thing in chapter 6. He's about to answer. Look at chapter 6, verse uh, 1 through 2, what we just read. He says, what shall we say then? As he summarizes chapter 5, talking about the power of God's grace, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, well, if, if grace increases with sin, then I'm going to go on sinning so that grace can continue increasing. Just makes sense. I want more grace, so I'll participate in more sin. Makes sense. Paul says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So, so a lot of people are reading this and they're like, whoa, wait, if, if God is good and we have all this grace, then I'm just going to keep on sinning because grace increases on my life. God is a good God of grace. I'll just keep on sinning. Paul says, no, by no means. In fact, when he wrote it in the original Greek, it's the strongest rebuke you can give somebody. He says, certainly not. Don't continue in sin. He says, we have died to sin. That is not our life anymore. Can we live like that any longer? No. That's not our life anymore. So many people are like, well, if God loves me every day, I wake up, there's new mercies, new compassion. I'm just going to keep on sinning. I'll do this little sin over here, and he's going to be okay with it. No. He's saying, don't abuse grace. Don't abuse grace. I think a lot of us, what we try to do is that we try to get away with sin. Oh, don't turn off the YouTube. Don't turn off the Facebooks. Come on, come on. We're going to talk about this today. Come on. Anybody want to be a better believer? Come on. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to get better. Right? We try to abuse grace. And he's saying, wait, if you were justified, meaning now you're at a right standing with God, then it should show in right living for God. Right? And he's going to talk about that now. He's like, how do you live? If you've been justified, do you continue back into sin? And so he's about to give us some handles in chapters 6, 7, and 8 that I think can help us this week, this year, as we try to finish the year strong, as we try to finish understanding what God has accomplished on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that I think can help us. I want you you to write this down in your notes, in your journals, somewhere. Three handles that I think can help us this week. Anybody ready? All right, number one, don't lose control, but practice self-control. Don't lose control, but practice self-control. You guys know my struggles with learning Italian, with weight, with diet. And you guys know one of my biggest nemesis, arch enemy of my soul is pita chips. 
absolutely love pita chips. And uh, since I've tried to uh, lose weight and try to develop a new lifestyle, I've had to stay away from my ex-lover. Wait, what? <laughs> pita chips. Right? Like, like, like for example, uh, I, I would say, okay, I'm going to start this new lifestyle, this healthy lifestyle. But every once in a while, one pita chip is not going to do anything. Like, I just, I just go, one pita chip. It's just one. It never hurt nobody. The problem is when that one would turn into 100, right? I would lose control because I had no self-control. If I've decided to start this new lifestyle where I'm going to stay away from it, then I don't even have to give in to one because I've decided to live this brand new lifestyle, right? So this is what Paul's trying to tell us. Like, hey, God is, God is doing something in your life. And so Paul is going to break down this process of practicing a new life that God has created in us. Like, are you putting it to practice? What happens after justification? And he's going to bring up this word in chapter 6 that is sanctification. Somebody say sanctification. sanctification. I want you to write that down. There's an important word, right? We talked about justification last week. Now we're talking about justification this week. Now, this is the, again, this is going to help us become better believers. What does sanctification even mean? Well, I'm going to give you a definition. I like the way Wayne Gruden put it. He put it like this. Sanctification is a progressive work meaning it's progress, it's work of God and man that's, that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. In other words, sanctification is an everyday process that us and God work together so that we are free from sin and look more like Jesus every day. Anybody want to look more like Jesus every single day? Yeah. Come on, anybody want to talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, right? Like live out like Jesus? That's sanctification. So what Paul is saying is, hey, at the moment you believed in Jesus, immediately you were justified. Justified means your account was put in right order, right? Perfection was placed into your account. Immediately you were justified, which means just as if you've never sinned. But after justification comes this process called sanctification. And it's an everyday progress, and it's going to continue until we see Jesus face to face. Every single day, he's working in us. This process of sanctification to make us better, to make us look more like Jesus. And all of us who are believers in Jesus are in this process called sanctification. Another translation, maybe the translation you have, will put it holiness. The word holiness in the Greek, it literally means to put to good right use, to put to its proper use. In other words, you were all out of order, but now we're getting placed in the right order that we should be living. It's the process of sanctification. So this is what Paul is going into. The first section of the book of Romans 1, 2, and 3 was all about condemnation. Humanity has been condemned because of our sin. Whether you've been a Gentile, whether you're a, a religious hypocrite, self-righteous, all of us are guilty. None are righteous. Condemnation part 1, 1, 2, and 3. 3, 4, and 5 was all about justification. Thank God for everything. He valued us. Remember the promises he gave us. Remember everything that Jesus did. Remember now the benefits that we have in him. Right? That's what we learned in, in the section of justification. Now he's entering into this third section, and it's all about justification. And he's basically saying, if you go back to this lifestyle of sin, it's like receiving an inheritance of wealth, but still living like you were in poverty. You've been giving so much in Jesus, yet you keep looking back to this old lifestyle. Paul says, oh, you've been giving a new chance, a new beginning. Get up and go forward. Today, you need to move forward in the life that God has called you. Stop looking back. Stop thinking about your mistakes. Get up and walk forward in the new direction for your life. Don't continue to go back into sin. Amen? Amen. He says, we are dead to sin. There should be, now that people should notice a difference in your lifestyle. He says, if nothing's changing your life, basically, have you even been saved? Like, there should be some change. Right? We, we're being sanctified every single day. Like, God is checking us on areas in our life. Like, hey, watch your language. Hey, watch your lifestyle. Hey, watch what you're watching. <laughs> watch who you're hanging with. Right? Like, yeah, Jesus loves us as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay as we are. He calls us to move forward into this new life. See, so many believers who put their faith and their trust in Jesus, but they want to continue in sin. There's a difference between falling into sin and practicing sin. All of us will fall into sin, but we don't have to continue practicing sin. And he's going to give us three analogies 
on what it means to be dead to sin, right? The first one that he brings up is baptism in chapter 6. You've got to read it. It's probably one of the most beautiful pictures uh, that describes baptism. Why we, do, why we do baptism Sunday. Why we go down into the water. And he says that was symbolic of us burying our old man underground. When we go down to, so many people are like, oh, I want to get baptized because it washes away my sins. That's not what baptism does. What baptism does is that it puts your old man to death. He says, just like Jesus died on the cross and he went down to the grave, when we go down into the water, we're putting that old man to the grave. Come on, we're putting that old person to the grave. Come on, we're putting that person with all those addictions, behaviors, habits, and, and that mouth and that mind, and all that is going down into the grave. In the same way that Jesus resurrected to a glorified body, you've been resurrected to a now new life. Can I get an amen? amen. And so he uses this example of baptism. And he says, oh, this is what happened. We're dead to that. In fact, in one of the verses of chapter 6, he says, count yourself as dead to sin. Like, don't even practice it. You may slip up, but don't practice sin. Come on, if we're believers, it should show in the way we live. Don't go back to it. You're dead to it. In other words, it no longer has power over you. And so he uses baptism as one example. We're going to do a baptism Sunday in November. It's going to be phenomenal. If you want to get baptized, sign up. It's going to be incredible. We're putting that old man to death. I'm now living a new life. The new life doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles, but, but it's a new life. And now i got to practice self-control because we still live in this flesh. And now he brings up a second analogy, which is, hey, it's no longer your master. You were a slave to sin, but it's no longer your master. In other words, he says, you don't have to listen to it anymore. Practice self-control. It's going to call you, but you now have the ability to say, you're not my master. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to follow your voice. I have a new master who's Jesus Christ, and he calls me to freedom. He calls me to a new life. Can I get an amen? amen. John MacArthur says that the tyranny of sin has been broken. It was this incredible, unrighteous, harsh ruler over your life. Because of Jesus, that has been broken over your life. You no longer have to obey everything that sin calls you to. You have been freed from that. To be sanctified does not mean you never sin. It means you never have to sin. You never have to sin. Right? You don't have to follow its orders every single time it calls. Practice self-control. Come on, it's not easy. Practice self-control. I don't have to do everything that sin tells me. Look what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city without walls is a person who lacks self-control. Everything will come in and out of your life because you don't have no self-control. You can't stay away from things. You can't say no. You got power in the name of Jesus to say no. Can I get an amen? Amen. You got power in the name of Jesus to say, I'm now a new person. I'm practicing self-control. Look at Romans chapter 6. Go down a couple verses to verse 19. Look what Paul says. Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as once you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul says, hey, you once gave your body over to sin and you did lawlessness you were a slave to it you lived in this sin now it's been buried you've died to sin it's no longer your master now give your body over to righteousness and he says it leads to sanctification literally what he's talking about there it's cultivating a sanctification life in other words it's practice it's practice what are you doing to practice sanctification in your life what are you doing to look more like Jesus every day in your life? Because you're still living this body. What are you doing? Three quick things. Write this down. Three quick things that I think can help us cultivate a, a, a life of sanctification. Number one, create separation. In other words, well, if you know these things were the ones that were drawing you back to this old lifestyle, create separation. Maybe for a season of your life, I'm not going to be around certain people. I'm not going to be around certain websites. I'm not going to be around certain phone numbers. I'm going to stay away from certain spots in the city because I know... That that's where I fall. Yeah. Create separation because I want sanctification. I want to look more like Jesus. So I'm not even going to give it a chance. In fact, the second thing is cut opportunity. Every single time you're close to something that represents your old lifestyle, it's more likely to happen. If I keep pita chips around the house, I'm going to keep eating pita chips. 
right? I, I had to cut it out of my life. Like, get, get those bags out of here. I don't even want to see them. If they're not in my sight, I'm probably not going to eat them, yeah. right? Like, what, is, what do you got to do to say, I'm going to live a sanctified life? I want to look more like Jesus, yeah. right? I'm going to practice self-control. I'm not going to lose control. I'm going to practice self-control. Paul says, it's no longer your master. And so you create separation, you cut opportunity, and then you create accountability. Get around some people. Get in a connect group. Get in community. Get three, four, five people around your life that can ask you the questions like, what's up? What's going on in your life? How you doing with that addiction? How you doing with that struggle? If it's something that you really can't get over, we got to celebrate recovery. Right? Get around a group that can help you. Like, we all need help. I got people in my life that are like, how you doing with that area in your life? We all need this in our life. Create separation, cut opportunity, and create accountability. Anybody thankful for people that you are accountable to in life? Come on, pastors and leaders around your life. Like, hey, keep me in check. Ask somebody this week. Like, hey, ask me the tough questions. I need to because I want to look more like Jesus. I want to practice self-control because I want to walk in sanctification. That's what Paul's speaking about. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 19, that last verse one more time. It says, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Holiness. Holiness. God, I want to look like you. I'm not going to give my life to Jesus and continue doing what I used to do. Then he goes into this third example about marriage, and he says, hey, not only have you died to sin, you've also died to the law. Chapter 6 is amazing the way it starts wrapping up and goes into chapter 7. He says, you've died to the law. The law was a mirror to show you where you were, at, where you were fall, flawed, where you, where you had areas that you had to work on, but it couldn't help you clean it. It could just take you as a tutor that took you by the hand to Jesus. He was, it showed you you needed a Savior, but now you've died to the law. In other words, he says, uh, like a woman that's been married, if her husband dies, she's not free to remarry. Just an example, if I, if I were to pass, which I'm not, I'm going to live till I'm 120, but if I were to pass, Diana now is free before God and before everybody to marry whoever she wants to now. Be- because I'm not here. Imagine she doesn't want to remarry, but it'd be like, hey, listen, we know Alex was amazing to you. He was incredible, best husband ever. But, but now, like, you can, you're free to marry somebody else, right? Because you were bound to one man, but now that it's dead, you're free to belong to another. He says, we were bound to the law, but now that we've died to the law, you are free to belong to Jesus forever, and he's going to sanctify us. Anybody thankful for Jesus? So in chapter 7, he goes into this whole explanation of now belonging to Jesus. And he says, the law, it actually produced sin in me, and it caused death to come up because it showed me what was wrong. And the body of flesh, when you tell it what not to do, you want to do it more. And then Paul goes into chapter 7. I love this next section of the book of Romans because he, he actually gives us a personal view into his personal life. And Paul's going to show us how he himself struggles. This is the apostle Paul. This is the bishop. This is the one who oversaw churches all around the known world. Like, like this is the one who wrote Romans, Galatians, Ephesians. Like this is, this is an incredible pastor, a pastor of pastors. And he's about to give us a glimpse into his own life. And he's about to say, I struggle too. Because justification is an immediate thing, but sanctification is a process. And he's about to show us, I struggle And just because we struggle, we don't give up. Second thing we can learn from this third section of Romans. Number two, write this down. Don't quit, but persevere through the struggles. Somebody say, don't quit. quit. Persevere. Persevere. Number one, we don't lose control. We practice self-control. Number two, we don't quit, but we persevere through the struggles. Paul's like, oh, I, I struggle too. I go through it. I, you're going to see Paul struggles in chapter 7. Like, he's going through it. Which to me gives me huge relief because if this is the Apostle Paul, if this is the one who preached the gospel, if this is the one who God used to heal people, if this is the one who wrote 13 letters in the Bible, and he's saying, I struggle, it gives me relief because that means we all struggle too. And we don't struggle alone. Come on, all of us struggle together. We're in this world where we are struggling with this life that we are in. I want to tell you today, if you've been struggling, you are not alone. There's a God that's for you. There's a community that's with you. We're all in this together. We're going to struggle with our old lifestyle. We're going to struggle with this body of flesh. But don't quit in the struggle. 
persevere through the struggle. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, read with me. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. You ever felt like that? We got a lot of spiritual people in the audience today, but come on. Anybody ever felt unspiritual? Like there's some mornings you wake up and you're like, I'm, uh, I'm unspiritual today. I'm, don't even talk to me. I can't even stand myself today. Like I'm just, um, don't, I, I might cut you if you say something to me today. Paul says, we know the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. He goes, sold as a slave to sin. My body was sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, says Paul. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. You ever felt that way? God, I want to do good. God, you know I want to do good. God, I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love it. And I want to do good. God, I don't want to curse out my boss. God, I don't want to go off on my wife. God, I don't want to go off on my kids. God, I love you. I love you. I don't go. I don't want to go. I don't want to do. I don't, don't want to go to those websites. I don't want to go to that number. I don't want to talk to that person. God, I love you. I love you, God. But why do I keep doing it? Why do I struggle? Paul says, I struggle. I don't understand. I, I love God. But I go back to sin. I struggle. I struggle. I struggle. I want to tell you today, just because you're not perfect doesn't mean Jesus has given up on you. I want to tell you today, just because you're struggling doesn't mean God is upset at you. God is mad at you. God is looking down like, I can't believe you. You're not perfect. He understands our struggle. And he loves you. He loves you. And that's why at Calvary, like you, that's why when you come in here, you got to come to our DNA nights. We talk about this so often because I think one of the things that happens is that Christians who are further along the road, we can look back at people who are brand new and still working out things in their life and start to judge people. Yeah. Yeah. Like people will get around us and a word may slip out or something may happen and we'll look at them like, come on, you should be better. Why don't you wash that mouth with some alcohol and make sure it's rubbing alcohol, not the other alcohol, you sinner. We're all like, like, wait a minute, we're all in a process of sanctification. And while somebody else's struggle may be public, be careful because yours is private, but God sees it too. And so they're struggling with one thing, but you struggle with something else. Maybe you're struggling with pride. Maybe you're struggling with envy. Maybe you're struggling with greed. But we all struggle with something. The thing is, sanctification is a process. Somebody say process. process. We hate processes. All of us hate processes. The other day, Diana was going to make some pasta. The process to make pasta is forever. <laughs> I was starving. I wanted food now, but it takes a process. And many times we want to look like Jesus today, but it's a process. While we're practicing self-control, while we're cultivating righteousness, we don't give up in a struggle. It's a process. The NBA Finals just finished, and LeBron James just won his fourth championship. I hate it because um, <laughs> he left us in Miami. He's still the greatest basketball player. But, but, um, but you know how he became great? He became great by going through the process, going to the gym every single day. You don't, you don't get that good at anything by not going through the process, by skipping over the process. Every day you wake up, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. He's working in me. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go through this process. And look what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 24. So I find this law at work. He says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You ever feel that way? God, I want to do good. Love being in the house of God. I love singing all these songs. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But evil is right there beside me. Dr. Evil's looking and lurking. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. My inner being wants to do good. I want to be in the house of God. Can't wait for November 8th. I love doing online church. I love my connect group. I love it. I love worship. Sing that song one more again, right? Like, I love it. <laughs> in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, says Paul. It's waging war against the law of mind and makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What? A wretched man that I am, says Paul. This is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote this letter. And he says, what a wretched man that I am. I'm in this war. I'm in this struggle. I can't. I can't. I'm going crazy. There's a war. There's two laws fighting within me, the law of sin and the law of the Spirit of God. What do I do? 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who can help me, says Paul. And then I love his next verse. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm in the struggle. I'm in a fight. I keep falling. I get up. I keep falling. Get back up. Who is going to help me? Thanks be to God because of Jesus Christ. Come on, the gospel, the good news is here. Even though you're in a struggle, there's a God that's for you. There's a God that's with you. There's a God to pick you up. Can I get an amen? amen. Today, it's not about how many times you fall. It's how many times you get up. Yeah. Come on, you persevere. Somebody shout, persevere. persevere. I could have fallen last night. I'm going to get back up today. I could have fallen last week. I'm going to get back up today. I may fall tomorrow, but I'm going to get back up. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 16, for though the righteous may fall seven times, they rise again. Come on, God is looking for somebody to rise again today. Come on, to stand up again today. Persevere through the struggle. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Then he starts chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1 has to be the gospel in one sentence. He says, therefore, you may be struggling like Paul. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, anybody thankful for that right there? What's the gospel? There's no condemnation for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. We've been called to this new life. We're dead to sin, but we still struggle with sin. But thanks be to God, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Today, are you feeling condemned? Are you feeling guilty? Are you feeling ashamed? I want to tell you, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We should have been condemned at the beginning of Romans. All are guilty. None are righteous. But because of Jesus, there's no condemnation. Even if you struggle. Even if you struggle. Because we all struggle. The Apostle Paul struggles. We all struggle. And then Romans chapter 8 is beautiful. And I wish we had more time and even time in the year to break this down. It literally take us months to go over this line by line. I want you to read it every single day. Get in your journal. But he goes into explaining the Holy Spirit. And it's absolutely beautiful. He says, you can't on your own. And I can't on my own. Because we're in this body of flesh that is subject to death. And it keeps looking back. But he says, we've been giving the spirit of God who comes now and lives in us and helps us move forward. He's the one who pulls us forward. It's literally a picture of what happened to the people of God when he rescued them out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. They were going through the desert. While they were in the desert, they kept looking back at Egypt because they wanted the burgers, the hot dogs, and the chips that they got in Egypt. And he says, why'd you bring us out to this desert? We're on our way to a promised land, but so often I look back. It's just like the journey of Christianity. So often we're looking at this promised land. It's called heaven. It's called glorification. But often we look back at our old lifestyle of sin. And the people of God had a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud that would lead them through the day and it would lead them through the night. And Paul says, you have the same thing, the Holy Spirit that leads you through this life. You got to read Romans chapter 8. He says, we now have a spirit-led life. And those who are subject and they put their mind on the flesh, they'll stay on the flesh and they'll stay to death. But those who put their mind on the spirit, they'll move forward in the spirit-led life. It's a beautiful thing what the Holy Spirit comes in and does in our, my life and your life. He comes and he moves us forward. We can't on our own. We struggle. We fall. We're inconsistent. We're erratic. We do good. We say we want to do good. On our inside, we want to, but on the outside, we fall so often. We're so inconsistent. And he's saying persevere because now you have the Holy Spirit helping you. The other day, the other day, we were at home, and uh, I think it was Thursday night, and we get a phone call. It's Diana's mom, and she's like, help me. Um, my car just, the battery ran out. The car is dead. It's on the side of the road. I tried turning it on, but nothing, so... Like a great son-in-law that I am, I get in the car and, and run over there to my mother-in-law and help my swaggerita out. And so I get there and uh, try to turn on the car. And there's not, like the car is dead, dead, dead. So obviously, you know, put the jumper cables, nothing. It's not nothing. The car is not turning on. No light. Nothing, nothing. It's not turning on. It's late in the night already. And so we're like, uh, uh, we don't want to call a tow truck now. It's going to get expensive. It's going to get crazy. And her cousin actually came too. And he's like, why don't we tie the car up to your car and just, we'll try. We were close to, to the house. So it's like, just, let's just try to pull it home. So I always do it. So we, we tied the car to my car and uh, put the car on neutral. And he says, you drive the car and you pull the vehicle. I've been pulled before, but I've never been the puller. <laughs> 
All right, and so I get in the car, and he's like, just start hitting on the gas slowly, and I start hitting on the gas little by little. And, and all of a sudden, like, I just looked behind me, looked in the rear view and on the side mirrors, and the car started moving. And here I am pulling this car forward. I'm like, all right, all right. Started five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour. Then we were at 25, 30, and I were rolling. In a few minutes, we were home. And this really, like, made me realize what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Because in our body of death and this flesh, we so often want to get stuck in this lifestyle. And we so often want to quit because I can't be like Jesus. And because I stumble and because I struggle. But the Holy Spirit, he's the puller. He comes and he latches himself onto you. And he's like, let's go. Come on, you can make it. I got better plans for you. Come on, I got a future for you. Anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit? Come on. He's pulling me and you. And because he's pulling us, we can make it through the struggle. We can make it through the struggle. He's going to go now talking about our present sufferings in chapter 8. And he says, I know life is crazy. I know life is hard. Not only do we struggle with sin, we also struggle with loss of jobs and loss of income and loss of family and health issues. And life is difficult. All you need to do is look back at the last six, seven months and say, God, really? All these struggles? I've lost people, lost family, lost marriages. This is hard, God. And what Paul tries to do in chapter 8 is fix our eyes on the security that we have in Jesus. I'll finish with this last handle that we got to remember for the week. Don't fear, but prevail in your security. We practice self-control. We persevere through the struggles. And then we prevail in our security. Life is difficult. There's going to be all kinds of Hard stuff coming our way, difficulties, challenges, obstacles. And that's where he begins this tone that we are more than conquerors in him. You haven't lost. I want to tell you today. I really feel this in my heart right now. It's for somebody you have not lost. I don't know what you've struggled with. I don't know what you're up against, but you have not lost. You're more than a conqueror. One pastor said, being a conqueror is easy because that means you celebrate after you won the battle. But more than a conqueror is somebody that can celebrate while you're in the battle. You're more than a conqueror. Look at Romans. Look at Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose for Those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Paul says, we struggle with sin. We struggle with his old habits. We struggle with his old lifestyle. Keep going. And you're going to struggle in this life with confusion, with battles, with wars. Keep going. There's a security that we have in him. We know that all things work out for the good of those who love him. Paul is, Paul is convinced. Paul says, I'm convinced. You can't unconvince me. Losing my job won't unconvince me. Losing my family won't unconvince me. Being overdrafted won't unconvince me. Losing my health won't unconvince me because my heart and my flesh may fail, but he's the portion of my life forever. Like the psalmist says, I'm convinced. I'm convinced he's my all. I'm convinced he's got me. I'm convinced. Come on, somebody shout, I'm convinced. I'm convinced he's got me in the palm of his hands. Even though I fall, even though I struggle, even though I stumble, even though I'm erratic, even though life hits me, I'm convinced. That I'm secure in him. And I will prevail in the security he's given me. Me. He's given me a security that I can stand on. It's better than stocks and bonds. It's better than my bank account. It's better than families and relationships. And everything else that we have on this side is the only thing that's not movable. It's the security that we have in him. You got to read chapter 8. It's absolutely beautiful. Paul says, and I know he justified. He also glorified. He's talking in future tense. And we haven't even been glorified yet. He's saying, I know he's got me. He's going to pick me up, continue to sanctify me to the day that I'm glorified. I'm convinced it's happened. It's already happened. I've already won. So I practice self-control. I persevere through struggles. And I'm going to prevail because of the security I have. He's giving me a deposit called the Holy Spirit, which shows me I'm, I'm his. 
And I wish we can read all of chapter 8 because it's absolutely beautiful. And I was only going to read a few verses, but I'll be honest, I'm going to read a little bit more just to finish. Verse 31, he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That line right there is powerful. What do we say to all of life's sufferings? What do we say to all of life's struggles? That if God is for us, what can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? Don't let the devil accuse you, condemn you, make you feel guilty or ashamed. Who can bring any charge to those he's called? You're called. Be convinced of that. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword, as is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to the slaughter. Paul says, I've gone through everything you can imagine. And then in verse 37, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us he loved me i'm convinced he loved me i'm convinced he chose me i'm convinced he's got me i'm convinced i'm his for i'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future or any powers neither height nor death nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convinced this morning. The world may stumble. The world may fall. Presidents will come and go. Nations will rise and fall. Bank accounts will be full and empty. Relationships will be there and gone. But one thing remains. It's the love of God toward me. Of that I'm convinced. And if he loves me, I'm going to be all right. Come on, with every eye closed and with every head bowed. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Maybe you're watching and you're in your living room, bedroom, kitchen. Wherever you're at, if you can close your eyes for a moment and bow your head. Family is watching. And you say, Alex, I don't know God. I'm far from God. I'm there. I'm the one that's struggling. I've done things that nobody knows about. I feel like I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm guilty. God must be upset at me. God must be mad at me. I'm going to tell you, God loves you so much. Like we just said, all of us are sinners. We've all failed. Every single one of us, we've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that God knows that and he loves us still. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin. He grabbed your sin. He grabbed all of our sin. The Bible says he put it on his shoulders and he went up on a cross. Jesus died for the sins of all of humanity. The Bible says he died a gruesome death, a a harsh death. He received the wrath of God on the cross. He bled out. You couldn't recognize him on the cross. The worst punishment for the most innocent man of all time. Because that's what sin does. It requires punishment. It's evil. And Jesus says, I'll, I'll take the punishment for all of humanity. Once he died, they put him down in a grave. and He was in a grave for three days. And the Bible says that after three days, Jesus, he resurrected. He's alive. The tomb is empty. And because he's alive, he's come to all of our lives. And he's helped us. He's changed us. He's forgiven us. Alex, what do I got to do to be saved? I've been there. I've cheated. I've lied. Thought wrong, said wrong. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Today, if you're watching, you say, Alex, I I need, I need forgiveness. I want a brand new life. I want a brand new beginning. I'm there. I know I've done stuff that nobody knows about. My wife doesn't know. My husband doesn't. My kids don't know. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I need forgiveness. I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. I want you to do something. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I need a brand new beginning, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, right there where you're at, in your living room, kitchen, bedroom, I want you to lift up your hand. 
I believe God is seeing you right there. Lift up your hand as high as you can. And you're telling God, God, I'm in. I'm in. I need you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Wherever you're at, just raise it up for a moment. Say, God, I'm in. I need forgiveness. I need you. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want you to say this prayer. I believe hands went up all over our city and all over the world. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, all of us in the studio, we're going to say this out loud together with you. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord. And be my savior. From today on, I'm forgiven and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Amazing. Hey, if you made that decision today, we want to congratulate you. We think that you made the best decision of your life. And so many of us have done that decision, whether it was a year ago, five years ago, some of us 10, 15 years ago. And you will never regret making Jesus savior and Lord of your life. Never, 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 never. The best thing ever. And I believe so many of us just got justified right now. And now you're going to start this process called sanctification. It's a journey. And we're going to struggle. And we're going to fall. And I think what you need is a community around you. I want you to text the word decided. Pick up your phone. And the word decided, just text it to that number 33222 because we want to send you a free Bible. No strings attached. We're not going to knock on your house, mail you, call you, none of that. We just actually just want to give you a Bible. And we've been uh, shipping out Bibles all throughout this pandemic. So... We'll get your details and send one free of charge and just get a Bible in your hands to help you understand who God is. In fact, if you're on the chats and you just made that decision, you raise your hand, you're saying, I'm in, I need a brand new life. Let us know in the chats and some of our pastors and leaders will contact you and we would love to get to know you. And we're all doing this together. Come on, we're going to create accountability together. Amen. Anybody thankful for God's word? I'm about you, but I'm loving the book of Romans and uh, I'm praying that it, it's speaking to your soul louder than anything I can say or any pastor that gets up here to teach or preach that God's word will be so loud in your life as you read through it. The book of Romans is beautiful. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We did been adopted as sons and daughters. We're in him. And I pray that will help you this week. Come on, let's practice self-control. Come on, we're going to persevere through the struggles. And then we're going to prevail because of our security. Believe in that for your life and my life. Father, I thank you for each and every single person watching. Thank you for every home. Thank you for every man, woman, child. God, I pray that this week we'll keep our eyes on you. God, that we realize that sin is no longer our master. We'll cultivate a life of righteousness as we practice self-control. We've died to the law. We've died to sin. And God, that we'll persevere in spite of our struggles and our shortcomings and our inconsistencies. We'll stand up and keep going because the righteous man falls seven times, but seven times he gets back up. And why we get back up is because of the security that we have in you. Because of the Holy Spirit and the love of God for us. We love you. Pray that you bless every home, every single person watching. Thank you for today. What a beautiful moment in your presence, God that you continue speaking to us throughout the day of your goodness, your grace, your love, and your mercy. You're awesome, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Church, I hope that today Romans spoke to you. We'll see you Wednesday night for our Wednesday nights live, which I think have been phenomenal. We pray that you have an incredible, beautiful rest of your day, and uh, we can't wait to see you. Love you. Take care. God bless.